November 1st. And now, as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today in Scripture will come from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Consider Him. The book of Hebrews exhorts us. Hebrews focuses on Jesus Christ. The writer wants us to see Him, consider Him, and keep our eyes of faith fixed on Him. Whenever you're tempted to look at your circumstances or at yourself, look to Jesus by faith and rejoice in His faithfulness. And not only consider Him, but obey Him. The writer uses the failure of Israel as a warning against a hard heart. How does a believer's heart become hard? By refusing His words, despising His works, and being ignorant of His ways. Sin is deceitful. You think you are getting away with it, but all the while, it's hardening your heart and robbing you of blessing. And not only consider Him and obey Him, but believe Him. Here is another exhortation to faith. The fact that the Jews were delivered from Egypt was no guarantee they would claim their inheritance. Because of their unbelief, they failed to enter the land. An evil heart of unbelief will rob you of what God has planned for you in your Christian life. So pay attention to God's Word. As Paul wrote, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And now let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. November 1st, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are bound for heaven, think about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God, who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully and was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses just as a person who builds a fine house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but God is the one who made everything. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house, but only as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, the faithful Son, was in charge of the entire household, and we are God's household if we keep up our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today you must listen to His voice. Don't harden your hearts against Him, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested God's patience in the wilderness. There your ancestors tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for forty years. So I was angry with them. And I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So, in my anger, I made a vow. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, as long as it is called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. But never forget the warning. Today you must listen to His voice. Don't harden your hearts against Him, 
as Israel did when they rebelled. And who were those people who rebelled against God, even though they heard His voice? Weren't they the ones Moses led out of Egypt, and who made God angry for forty years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when He vowed that they would never enter His place of rest? He was speaking to those who disobeyed Him. So we see that they were not allowed to enter His rest because of their unbelief. Now, let's look with Paul for a minute, a little deeper into this. What were the components of contentment? I'll just give you a few things to think about. First of all, confidence in God's providence. Confidence in God's providence. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. For ten years, the Philippian church had been unable to send support to Paul. Ten years. They loved him. He loved them. For ten years, they couldn't send him anything. It was ten years since God brought Paul to Philippi to start a church. You remember that, don't you? Acts 16, he came to Philippi, preached the gospel, got thrown in jail. He was delivered out of jail in an earthquake. The jailer and his family were converted. The church was planted. But for ten years since that time, they had not supported him. But in verse 10 he says, you lacked kairos, translated opportunity. You lacked the season. There was no, no way that it could be done. Perhaps partly Paul's inaccessibility to them. Perhaps their own poverty, which was great. Remember now, Philippi is in Macedonia, and if you remember 2 Corinthians, it was the churches of Macedonia who, when they did give, demonstrated their great love out of deep poverty. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because finally, when you had opportunity, Epaphroditus arrives in Rome with the gifts from the Philippians. Now at last, you've revived your concern for me. He doesn't blame them. He says, you were concerned before. And they were. When at the ten years ago he had left, they had given him something to send him on his way. And in the intervening time, they had not been able to do that. This demonstrates, I think, the apostle's patient confidence in God's sovereign provision. He was so sure that God, in due time, would order the circumstances so that His needs would be met. All through those ten years, somebody else met His need. And when it came to this particular juncture in His life, when He was in jail in Rome, and there was not another to meet His need, the providence of God ordered the Philippians to find the resources exactly on schedule and to have them delivered to the beloved apostle. There's no panic in his life. There's no manipulation in his life. 
because he has confidence in the providential control of God, that God orders all the circumstances, all the contingencies, all the diverse factors of life to produce his perfect will. He's always done it. You go to the Old Testament, you see it in the story of Joseph, you see it in the story of Esther, you see it in the story of Ruth, many, many other places. Psalm 104, verses 1 through 23. Psalm 104 praises God for His fullness as Creator. Psalm 105 for His faithfulness as Redeemer. And Psalm 106 for His forgiveness as Savior of His people. And of course, we'll be reading through each of these Psalms as the days progress here on the One Year Bible on Radio. How easy it is to take for granted the world that God created. We see the blemishes, but not the blessings and we forget what kind of world God gave us. It is a place of greatness. Not the greatness of man, but the greatness of God. The psalmist compared creation to the building of a house, laying the foundation, putting up the beams, hanging the curtains, and taking care of the water system. Only a great and wise God could make this kind of world. And it's a place of goodness. He provides life, water, food, and homes for man and beast, and also the birds. And He sees to it they are cared for. Everything in creation is God's gift to us to enjoy. And our world is a place of gladness. God rejoices over creation, and we should be glad in the Lord. Creation is a window through which we see God, not a mirror in which we see ourselves. And the more we see Him, the happier we should be. Only this will make us good stewards of God's creation. Psalm 104, verses 1 through 23. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. O Lord my God, how great you are! You are robed with honor and with majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariots. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At the sound of your rebuke, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it fled away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas, so they would never again cover the earth. You make the springs pour water into ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the cattle. You cause plants to grow for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil as lotion for their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for. 
the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, and the storks make their homes in the firs. High in the mountains are pastures for the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for rock badgers. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun that knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their food, but they are dependent on God. At dawn they slink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work. They labor until the evening shadows fall again. Proverbs 26, verses 24 through 26. People with hate in their hearts may sound pleasant enough, but don't believe them. Though they pretend to be kind, their hearts are full of all kinds of evil. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, it will finally come to light for all to see.